So it's technically mid-January. The Bears coaching search is still continuing. You would think that if they had Ryan Pace in the building right now, which we'll discuss Leslie Frazier here too, because his interview, I think, is tomorrow, Friday, or whenever it's supposed to be. But, um, you know, we'll talk about Ryan Pace as well and Leslie Frazier. But what's up, guys? Welcome into the Fireside Bears YouTube channel. Usain Pocho and Max Smith here. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. You can follow myself and Max on Twitter at MaxSmithESM and at Usaid Koshal. Max, we got a lot going on. We got Matt Ibrafus getting a second interview. We got Byron Lefwich getting his first interview. And then Nathaniel Hackett, too. Not necessarily an afterthought, but a really intriguing name to monitor. But how you doing, man? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I'm excited that this list is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, you know, we see a lot of rumors coming from other teams, such as the Texans or the Giants about, or even the Dolphins, really, about, uh, you know, X went well with this interview or this went well, or the Giants are really looking at somebody. Uh, we haven't really seen anything like that from Hallis Hall yet, which kind of speaks to how airtight this process is and how small and intimate this is in Hallis Hall. It seems like there's really only a few people in the room where it happens. We know exactly who those people are. And we're not really learning a lot outside of who's being invited to interview with the Bears um, and exactly who these people are. So that makes me excited because one that tells me that Bears are doing their homework, right? They're trying to bring in as many possible voices as they humanly can. Um, and they're doing a great job of that. And number two, uh, it tells me that they're not worried, right? That they're taking their time and that. Yeah, sure. Some of these guys may already have offers from other organizations, but because of the position that the Bears are in right now, their offer is going to be a million times more alluring um, than, say, an offer from the Texans or, say, an offer from the Dolphins. And I'd even argue, say, an offer from the Raiders, but that's certainly up for debate. So, yeah, today we're going to be taking a look at Matt Eberflus, uh, defensive coordinator. I was going to say former defensive coordinator. He still has his job <laughs> with the Indianapolis Colts. Byron Lefwich, who is the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as they look to uh, make it to the NFC Championship for a second straight year. And then Nathaniel Hackett, who's also looking to potentially make the NFC Championship for another year uh, with the Green Bay Packers. Now, there's a lot of different... Um, different opinions on all these guys, but we're going to start off with the defensive minded guy first. That's Matt Eberflus from Indiana. He's already getting his second interview, which is incredibly interesting to me because we haven't even seen GMs get their second interview requests yet, but Hallis Hall has made it very clear that they're going to hire a GM before they bring in the head coach. So what do you make out of this? Well, it, Look, it's a bit of a confusing process because, you know, when you talk about hiring a general manager before hiring a head coach, you would think that that's the way things are traditionally supposed to go. So the Bears are making it seem like they're doing something out of the ordinary, which, again, they're certainly not. I do want a GM in place first because I think that you need to have a general manager who's football philosophy as well as mindset as well as skill set aligns with that of the head coach it would be like you know you bringing in a guy like a Matt Eberflus for your head coach and pairing him with someone like Jeff Ireland now the problem with that is you have two people that have completely different philosophies right so you know when we look at what's going on at Hallis Hall I have to say you know it's just something where it's just like continued 
to be patient because, again, good things come to those who wait. And the Bears have certainly shown us in the past that when they rush hires that three to four years down the road, it certainly tends to mess up more than we're willing to admit. Now, I think shifting the conversation over to Matt Eberflus and his second interview, uh, you know, I think it's interesting because he interviewed for the Bears position on Monday, January 17th, I believe. And so he has to be a really strong candidate if he's getting a second interview, getting called back for a second interview just three to four days later. That means that I think that's something to keep an eye on because it's showing us that Eberflus could be one of the few front runners for this job. But we also have to keep something in mind is that the Bears aren't done interviewing. You know, while we're seeing Eberflus get a second interview, I think the organization's telling him, hey, we're legitimately interested in you. But then you have these guys like Byron Lefwich, like Todd Bowles, for example, like a Leslie Frazier that haven't had the opportunity yet to even get their first interviews or even. Brian Dable, he's gotten a first interview, but not a second interview. So keep an eye on Eberflus. Yeah, Matt Eberflus is definitely an interesting guy. Um, there's not a lot of people that may know him. He's not a really flashy name, um, but his coaching resume speaks for itself. I think I think Bears giving him a second look is, is definitely a good sign for him. Um, it also, to me, says they're worried that he's looking at another offer. Um, there are reports coming out of Jacksonville that – He's one of the front runners, if not the front runner um, for the Jaguars at the moment. He met with Sidir Khan um, in Jacksonville. So maybe that's how it's Hall getting a little bit nervous that one of their top guys is already looking at another offer from Jacksonville. So maybe they could bring him back in, um, try to figure out what he would like from the GM position. Because, you know, that is interesting to me that if you're going to bring in a head coach without bringing in a GM first, that tells me that the head coach is going to have a say in who the general manager is going to be, which is interesting because traditionally the general manager is in charge of the head coach, at least in an organizational tree. So that that, that is really interesting to me to, to consider that. Now, I'm not totally against the idea of Matt Eberflus. I've, I, I've been saying this before, and I and I wouldn't be disappointed with it as well. Sam Stevenson, who's on the pod, um, he's been on the show a couple of times. He's sent, he shared a sentiment on Twitter as well. Um, Aberflus wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And, and let me tell you why, uh, the guy gets results from his players. The Indianapolis Colts have had one of the best defenses full stop in the NFL since Matt Aberflus has taken over. Um, his time in Dallas was fruitful. Dallas had, inc- had incredible defensive talent from the linebacker position that, uh, Matt Aberflus was in charge of. Um, the man just performs and he does incredibly well with what he has and what he was given is given. And when we've been talking about head coaches on this show since episode one, two, and here we are in episode three, one theme that's been consistent is the absence of what Matt Nagy did, which was put okay players in elite positions, right? Making the most out of the roster that you were given. And Matt Eberflus was able to do that incredibly well. Uh, it's not like uh, there is a bunch of, you know, heavy hitter, round the clock all-stars in the Colts. Now there's a couple for sure, uh, but that's a roster that's really well put together and executed by their coordinator. So, I wouldn't. I'm. I'm not surprised that the Bears are giving another look at Eberflus. That being said, you know there's two defensive head coaches that are obviously at the top of the list for the Chicago Bears: Leslie Frazier, which we're going to talk about here next, um, just a little bit because we covered him pretty intensely over in uh, episode one. And I'll put a little thing up here for you can watch that if you haven't. But what, what's I'd rather have Matt Eberflus than Leslie Frazier, and I say that I say that only because only because. 
Eberflus hasn't had that experience as a head coach. And that kind of makes me excited because when we look at Leslie Frazier's head coach tenure, it wasn't great. Right. So there's a little bit concerns there. Leslie Frazier just doesn't get me as excited as, as Eberflus does. And, and I didn't say to begin with that Leslie Frazier would be a bad hire because it's not. If you go with either of these guys, I still think it's a good hire. But it doesn't get me as excited as a concept of Eberflus, who's a you know a studded defensive coordinator that has the opportunity to really make his roster, sorry, make his coaching roster and 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 really mold this defense into into the the next iteration of, of professional defenses in the league because that's what he's good at. And if we're looking at innovation yet with a little bit of old Bears swagger, I think a really good new age defensive coordinator would be perfect for that position. But that's just my take. And I want to add something on about Matt Eberfuss because something that we're not talking about enough is that I think he's a great defensive coordinator. But you look at the Colts draft history since 2017 when Chris Ballard took over. Now, there's something to note, too, is that Eberflus got there in 2018 with Frank Reich. But when you look at that all-time draft history, you realize that Chris Ballard has selected just two players. I'm sorry, two defensive players in the first round. One being Malik Hooker and the second being Quiddy Payne. Hooker was 2017. Pay was in 2021. And so ultimately, that's really worth consideration because when we look at some of the top players on this defense, take a Darius Leonard. He was a second round pick. Take a Rocky Asin, a second round pick. Take Julian Blackman, third round pick. When we look at that, we're immediately seeing a trend that Matt Eberflus has proven that he doesn't need a high pick necessarily or a top five or a top 10 or even a first round pick to succeed when it comes to building great defense. He's able to do that and get the best out of a lot of these players, no matter where they're drafted. And that really warrants some consideration because when you talk about the bears job, one thing that we also have to understand is that this defense is going to undergo some rebuilding over the next couple seasons. I mean, and the Bears are at a point where Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn are getting older. Eddie Jackson's getting older. You have Roquan Smith and Jalen Johnson as your sole building blocks. And then you do have some talent with players like Thomas Graham Jr. They You look at and you're like, okay, Matt Eberflus is the general, I'm sorry, the head coach that can make them go from being average to good to great to even elite. And then you look at some of these other players, like let's just say the Bears opt to bring back Bilal Nichols this year. Maybe Bilal Nichols can have a revival year because he just needs a breath of fresh air. And so when we talk about Eberflus, I think that so many people get caught up in the fact that, well, it's the Colts, well, they haven't won a lot of games. At the end of the day, though, having Matt Eberflus be a head coach isn't 50% of it's what he's done with the Colts. The other 50% of it is what he's done on an individual level with a lot of these players in the Colts. You know what? They do have one of the better defenses in the NFL. I understand that there's people out there that are going to talk about, well, his red zone defense, sometimes the defense breaks down in the fourth quarter. But I also think you have to throw this into the consider into the ring too, is that not every candidate's going to be perfect and there's no perfect head coach out there. And so – you're playing with the lesser of kind of two evils, right? In terms of Matt Eberflus or someone else. Now I will say regarding Eberflus, if you bring him in and I'm going to let you chime in after this, if you bring Matt Eberflus in, there's a big question that gets raised, which is who is then responsible for the development of Justin Fields. And that would more than likely be the offensive coordinator as well as quarterbacks coach that Eberflus opts to bring in. 
Yeah, 100%. That's a that's a great point. Is Even when you look at Leslie Frazier or any of the defensive-minded head coaching prospects, is who's going to be in charge of Justin Fields and this young, great core of offense that the last regime really put a lot of effort into building? Um, and the answer is what you just said, whoever they decide to lead, right? And that's obviously a point of, of contention in the interview process, 100%, is they're asking these guys, who exactly would you be interested in bringing in? Because um, obviously front office needs to verify that as well. Um, so <clears throat> with, with and I just want to piggyback off what you were talking about, individual development under Eberflus. I mean, Darius Leonard, right? This man is an absolute stud. He's a second round pick. And, and under leader under leadership from Eberflus and that culture, right, that, that he was able to provide in Indianapolis, Darius Leonard was rookie of the year and is, you know, one of the most best, one of the best defensive players in the NFL right now. Right. So, you know, you look at, you look at a uh, Yasin Bay and all these other great guys that the Indianapolis Colts have. And it's not like they were coming out of college that were super coveted. I mean, like the second round draft pick's pretty good. Right. But, but, but like you just said, there's not a, there's not a whole lot of, a whole lot of meat there for him to work with. And I think that when we're talking about individual development, that is absolutely crucial from the head coaching position, but his track record speaks for himself. Take a second, if you'd like, go to Matt Eberflus's pro football reference, look at some of the rushing defense grades that this guy has over his tenure and look at just some of the overall defensive grades that he's, he's he turns defenses around, right? And that's what his whole shtick is. Um, and I think he'd be great here in, in Chicago. It would just be really interesting and in seeing how he works with, um, Sean Desai, right? I think that would be a definite area of contention um, for for the front office to look at. Is does, does Sean like this guy? Um, you know, are they going to have a really good working relationship, or what is that going to look like down the line if you bring in Eberflus or a guy like Leslie Frazier? But that's all good points. So we're going to stop the defensive candidates there, and we're going to hop over to the offensive candidates in today's, which is Byron Leftwich and Nathaniel Hackett. I'm going to start off with Byron because I think this is an incredibly interesting name that I don't think would have gone up in stock at all this year if it wasn't for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers finding another year of renewed success. I personally thought Todd Bowles was the name to look at from this trio uh, of Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich, and Todd Bowles in this in this coaching trio. I thought people would have looked at Todd as another potential you know, hot head coaching candidate. But here we are looking at Byron Leftwich. It's probably because he doesn't have the experience that Todd Bowles does, but here we are. Uh, Byron Leftwich is definitely an interesting cat or, or character because when we're looking at Nathaniel Hackett and Byron Leftwich, we're looking also at Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, right? We're looking at offenses that are star-studded, that have performed consistently, uh, that also have head coaches that were former offensive coordinators or, or offensive gurus themselves. Um, so, so you have to put a little bit of a caveat there because you're wondering, right, exactly how much of them is their success? How much can they claim as their own? but they're also surrounded by all this talent. So the other side of the coin is how much are they learning from some of these geniuses, right? Like how much are, how much is Byron Leftwich learn from Bruce Arians? How much has he learned from Tom Brady and uh, Brady's, uh, you know, time with uh, Josh McDaniels? So this is, this is really interesting question for me is, and this is one that fans pose on Twitter all the time is how much of the success is theirs? Sorry. I'm also chowing down on my talk. Okay. Here I get as- it. I just recorded because I have three other shows to do after this, including one that I did earlier while keeping up with our friend of the show, Adam Rank, on Twitter. We'll get Adam on sometime so we can compare Avengers to Bears players. But um, anyways, you know, Leftwich is very interesting. And I think the same can be said for Nathaniel Hackett, who we'll get to in a moment here. Because what you're dealing with when it comes to both of these coordinators is, hey, is it 
legitimately the coordinator or is it the Hall of Fame or I should say future Hall of Fame quarterback that they have at their disposal? And, you know, a bit of it for me comes down to the fact that I do think that Byron Lefwich is legit because we also have to understand something is that Byron Lefwich made a guy like a Carson Palmer look good in Arizona and he made the Cardinals offense look really good. So, yeah, he kind of lucked into a Hall of Fame quarterback with Brady deciding to leave New England and then sign with Tampa Bay. But there's also something to be said is if you remember those Cardinals teams back in 2014, 15, 16, you know, they were a really good team. And Byron Lefwich was kind of one of the driving forces behind some of those potent offenses. Because I think a lot of people tend to forget, like, the Cardinals were good with Ken Wisenhunt, and then they really fell off. And then all of a sudden, it was almost like, oh, yeah, you know what? We're going to go ahead and, um, you know, we're going to get the best out of these guys. And I think Leftwich's work in 2017. And then obviously, you know, with the cards in 2018, soon kind of was a horrendous year. He really taken off with Tom Brady, but he had some phenomenal work. And I think when it comes to left, which we also have to understand is that he's been damn good when it comes to being able to get the best out of any quarterback. So I would say he's a quarterback guru and he doesn't only understand how to develop. He understands how to coach too. And so, when we talk about developing coaching the quarterback position, I don't think there's a top mind in the NFL like there is Byron Leftwich. Yeah, I want to I want to agree with that um, on multiple levels. Byron Leftwich played in the league for a long time. Who else to know the quarterback position than a guy who lived it with several different teams? I think if we're looking at a name that's going to be the most developmental to Justin Fields, I think it's Byron Leftwich. I think if anyone's like a diehard Justin Fields fan, as as most Bear fans are then this is your guy. I think if there's anyone that's going to lead this offense to success, it's going to be Byron Leftwich. I love Brian Dable, don't get me wrong, but I think Byron Leftwich is just better suited to develop Justin Fields into the future quarterback of the NFL. Uh, and I think he has every tool necessary to make that happen. Something I want to point out with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Byron Leftwich is the fact that this was a completely different scheme for Tom Brady. And he's gone on record in saying that, that, that Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich didn't make it easy for him. They gave him an entire new playbook. They told him they told him to completely change how you read downfield. Um, they even had him change his uh, cadence and his snap. Right? They basically asked him to completely change how you play quarterback over the past, you know, decade or the entire time I've been alive, and said, "Hey, uh, we're going to tell you how to play quarterback now here in Tampa Bay under Arians and Leftwich," and it works. Right? Outside of that incident that happened week one last year against the Saints. Um, Tom Brady has looked just as good, if not better, uh, than he has uh, in, in, in other iterations. Now, I will put a caveat on that because uh, why Tom Brady looks so good uh, may not be because of his physical attributes, but maybe because of how well the offense is schemed around him, right? So uh, Tom Brady gets bailed out a lot. The Buccaneers get bailed out a lot by what? Really good play design. Uh, Byron Leftwich relies heavily on good tight ends. We've seen that with Cameron Bray and uh, Rob Gronkowski, right? So we could potentially see guys like Cole Komet find increased usage. Uh, uh, Chris Godwin, right? He was a name that really wasn't that popular across the NFL, but he's very much like a Darnell Mooney. Uh, there's a lot of parallels between this offense and Tampa Bay and, and what the Chicago Bears have on the field um, that could draw incredibly well for Byron Leftwich as he as he enters a new roster. Um, 
this this Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense is sacked because they've been able to make pull the best out of their players. They've made players household names. And I think that's something that Byron Leftwich brings to the Chicago Bears if they bring him on. So I really, really, really like the idea of Byron Leftwich as head coach of the Chicago Bears, specifically for the development of Justin Fields and some of these guys on the offense. Um, on the flip side of the coin, he's not super well plugged into the defensive side of the world. I'm sure he has connections. Um, but that's when you really have to put trust in, in stock and Sean Desai and any of these offensive-minded head coaches is how well do we trust our defensive staff right now to make sure that they build upon what happened last year. But, no, I, I really like Byron Leftwich. Yeah, see, I want I want to add something on regarding Byron Leftwich because – Something we need to discuss is, you're right, the defensive side of the ball. Now, I certainly think it's possible that there is someone on Todd Bowles' staff that Byron Leftwich is looking at and is saying, hey, you know what? We want you to come over to Chicago. I want you to come over to Chicago with me so that you can be the defensive coordinator. And right off the bat, you know, when you do go look at that, List. I mean, there's a couple really interesting names. You know, I would say that the outside linebackers coach Larry Foote is mm. certainly an interesting one. And, you know, if you guys remember, for those of our older listeners, Larry Foote did play with the Steelers as well as the Cardinals and Lions. And he was someone that, you know, really played the game at a high level. And back in the early 2000s, I mean, he was someone that, you know, defenses had to legitimately game plan. So from the perspective of being able to, consistently kind of get the best out of your players. I would definitely say that Larry Foote is a name to keep an eye on. And then also, I believe that there's a couple intriguing other names around the league too. Well, on the Buccaneers staff, like take, for example, a Casey Rogers, right? Who's been the Buccaneers defensive line coach since 2019. And then obviously, you know, he did work for about three to four seasons under Todd Bowles with the New York Jets as a defensive coordinator. And so ultimately when you look at it, you know, I think that Todd Bowles, I'm sorry, Byron Leftwich, knowing the connections he has and knowing how close that trio of Bowles, Bruce Arians, and Leftwich is, that I don't think Leftwich is going to have an issue bringing in a defensive coordinator if he does make an external hire. But I will say, I think the single biggest advantage to taking the Spares gig is that you can always convince Sean Desai to stay and then just have that continuity on the defensive side of the ball. Because have I said the Bears need to rebuild the defense? Yeah. But I think if 2021 showed us anything, it's that the Bears are not as far off from a total rebuild on defense, as some people out there assume, there's still more than enough juice left in this tank for this to be a well-oiled machine. You factor that in with getting a healthy Khalil Mack back, another year of Roquan Smith, development for Jalen Johnson, and you could be looking at a really solid unit. It's just the defense right now just needs a couple tweaks here and there. Yeah, no, you're completely right. And the Buccaneers, um, outside linebacker, they have one of the best outside linebackers slash defensive line core in the league. Um, just look at what Shaq Barrett was able to do in 2000 and, um, what, 20 now? The years are still messed up to me. Um, no, you're completely right. I mean, like, there's just a lot of reasons to like Byron Leftwich. That's why he's one of the biggest names on this on this carousel right now. And, you know, us, I took us a while to interview to request them. And there's another name out there in Kellen Moore that the Bears haven't even looked at yet. Not sure if we ever will. Um, but it reminds me a lot of Byron Leftwich. But I feel as if though Byron Leftwich has more to provide than Kellen Moore does. So I'm I'm you know this if there's if there's a pick right now that I think is my number two outside of Brian Flores is 
certainly Byron Leftwich. And I only say that because I still wish Jim Harbaugh, but I don't think that's going to happen anymore, unfortunately. Uh, but that leads us to our last guy, Nathaniel Hackett. He's currently the offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. Would be an interesting move to poach the OC from our friends up north. Um, but what, what, what does Nathaniel Hackett bring to pitch? So apologies. I'm looking at uh, notes here. Um, he's offensive coordinator for the green Bay Packers from 2019 till today. So he's had some offensive success with the battle floor. We looked at 2016 and 2018. He was the offensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So back when Saxonville was a thing, they were good for about a year. He was there. And then prior to that, he was with the Buffalo bills from 2013 to 2014. So his first real years of success were with the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2017 and then the past two years with Green Bay. Again, we're looking at another situation where this is a guy who's with a future, I think it's just safe to say, Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. Um, and the question is, how much of this is him? How much of this is Aaron Rodgers? I want to really point out the Jordan Love game against Kansas City. I think if there's anything that's going to shoot Nathaniel Hackett in the foot, as well as Jordan Love, as well as Packers fans, is the Jordan Love game against Kansas City. Your best guy, Aaron Rodgers, is out of the game, and you're barely able to move the ball, right? Sure, it's Jordan Love's first career start. Sure, against you know the former Super Bowl caliber team um, that's still in the playoffs right now. But the question is, if you're a good coach, right? You're supposed to be able to make your offense click well. And we looked at guys like Cliff, uh, Cliff Clayesbury down in Arizona Kyler Murray's out for a couple of games, but the team is still clicking on all cylinders. You know, they're still putting up points. Maybe they aren't winning games, but they're still moving the ball. They're still putting points in the, on the scoreboard. So for, for me, that makes me a little bit cautious is when Aaron Rodgers is out of the game, the Packers don't move the ball very well. Well, you know, it, Look, that Kansas City-Green Bay game, you're certainly right. I mean, it is a red flag on Nathaniel Hackett's resume. But I also think what is intriguing when it comes to Nathaniel Hackett is that Aaron Rodgers has given him a ringing endorsement in the past. And mind you, Aaron Rodgers is someone that, for as long as I've covered him and watched all his press conferences, things of that nature, Aaron Rodgers is not someone who you get a ringing endorsement from unless you are – the elephant in the room because when we look at some of the stuff Aaron Rodgers has said on the Pat McAfee show, which it seems like he's a regular on that show, he says this is a little overdue to be honest. He's been around the game a long time. What he did in Jacksonville, I think, was pure magic, getting them within a quarter of the Super Bowl. He's a great coach. I love spending time with him. He's a fantastic teacher. He's incredible in front of the room. And so when you look at that, you realize that maybe the Hackett praise as well as the Hackett hype we should call it is legitimately warranted because people remember in 2017 I mean everyone was ready to move on from Blake Bortles and in comes Nathaniel Hackett and just some way somehow kind of gets a pretty good season out of Bortles and makes that offense serviceable to the point where he's ready to go to the Super Bowl but I also want to talk about this right because when you bring the Chiefs Packers game up there's a couple things you have to keep in mind. Number one, it was Jordan Love's first start, so we can't knock on Jordan Love too much. But number two, if you go back and you watch that game, you have to realize is that Green Bay needed to employ a pass-first offense because they also knew that they couldn't run the ball, which has traditionally been a strength of Nathaniel Hackett's because that's what he did in Jacksonville in 2017, running game and strong defense. But they had to run the ball specifically because they knew and understood you can't, you know, 
you have to go pass happy against the Chiefs because what's going to happen is they're going to rack up points on you in bunches. And you know what? Running the ball, keeping out of Patrick Mahomes' hands is fine, but it doesn't matter because that offense is so explosive. They can march down the field in six or seven plays and do so in like three to four minutes. Yeah, a testament to Nathaniel Hackett, and I'll you know give credit where credit is due, is the development of A.J. Dillon as a viable running back in the NFL. Um, the Packers have put together a pretty good run game um, with really, again, little, I guess, um, to start with. A.J. Dillon has really come out of nowhere, um, and I think he's going to be a serviceable running back for the next couple of seasons for the Green Bay Packers um, because of the development and because of the run schemes that um, Nathaniel Hackett has been able to develop. Uh, when it comes to guys like Aaron Rodgers, I guess, you know, I you don't really scheme that. I feel like it's just pure talent at, at certain points. There's instances where you can put everything, kitchen sink defense-wise, into the guy's face, and he's going to find a way to make a play happen. He's going to find a way to break your heart. Um, but when it comes down to the run game, when it comes down to putting guys like A.J. Dillon in positions to succeed, Nathaniel Hackett does that. He does that incredibly well. And there is a testament as to why Blake – Bortles signed with the with the Packers during the COVID drama and has been kind of a regular in Green Bay uh, in the offseason as kind of a, like a practice squad guy. Um, I think that might speak to his relationship with Nathaniel Hackett. So this guy is a quarterback whisperer. Wherever he goes, he makes friends with quarterbacks. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but he had a year with Kyle Orton in Buffalo. So maybe there's that Bears connection if we were looking for one. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I you know, I, I don't love the hiring. I really don't. You know, like – the guy has positives for sure. The guy has a good resume, you know, not as strong as some other guys. Um, but I think I think that question mark just carries with them, you know, and I think that that's something that that I'm sure that people are thinking about now as all is his, how much of his success is, is his versus Matt's versus Aaron's. Um, he can 100% take credit for the run game, and I think he should. But at this point, I don't think we need another run first or, or run heavy uh, offensive coordinator. I think we need a guy who's really going to help us flush out the passing game. And yet you can look at the Packers passing game and you can say, look at all these numbers. These are great numbers. The Packers have a fantastic passing game. Well, of course they do. It's Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, look at this guy. Look look at Madeline Floor. Look at some of these. It's just like, come on. Like, let's, let's, I, I don't want to put all this credit on Nathaniel Hackett because it's really hard to do. Um, but that's just, I don't know. I could be completely wrong and I probably am, but I'm not going to budge on this hill. I'm telling you right now, this isn't the guy that I think we should bring in. I'm sure he'd be good friends. I'm sure he'd do well with Justin Field, but he just doesn't give me that X factor. I think that I'm looking for, you know? Yeah. I look, you know what happens every single year is there is a coordinator or a position coach who is doing incredibly well because the team's doing well. And it's usually it's the product of the head coach or some really good players. Cough, cough, Matt Nagy under Andy Reid and Alex Smith and the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. And then that coordinator, you know, all of a sudden gets thrown into the head coaching search simply because people believe that that guy's the driving force behind everything. And that ultimately at the end of the day, that coordinator's upside is so high it warrants being a head coach. Now, we have to keep something in mind, okay, is that the system they're running in Green Bay is not the Nathaniel Hackett offense. Nathaniel Hackett is merely there to coach and install and implement it. It is really Matt LaFleur's system, and by the way, Matt LaFleur gets his influences from 
Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay and Mike Shanahan. So ultimately, you know, Matt LaFleur's kind of perfected running his version of the offense and Nathaniel Hackett is just there. So if you're looking for someone to develop Justin Fields, Nathaniel Hackett makes sense. But at the end of the day, we have to understand something. Is that the Bears are not going to win a Super Bowl solely by developing Justin Fields. The Bears are going to win a Super Bowl if they have a well-rounded offense. Okay, Because how many times have we seen teams in the NFL develop the quarterback position but then fail to build around the quarterback and do so properly? And as a result, what happens is the fact that, you know what? They get to the playoffs every single year, but they are never able to get over the hump. Okay? The Chiefs were a classic example of that. They had a really good roster, but the quarterback wasn't that good under Alex Smith. who was above average, couldn't really get them over the hump. And as a result, kaboom, look what happened, okay? Aaron Rodgers under the twilight years of Mike McCarthy was another one in the Packers. They had everything. They had the quarterback in place, but outside of that, they really didn't have much, okay, to warrant being able to get to the Super Bowl and get over the hump. And so ultimately, when you look at Hackett, you know what? You also have to look at this as if the Bears are looking to hire someone who's going to make the most of this current roster and the current playmakers on offense. Guess what? Hackett's philosophy, along with his personnel groupings, and this is where it gets a bit technical, but the philosophy, the personnel groupings, the types of players the Bears have, they don't necessarily fit this run-first offense that Hackett would want to run. Okay, The Bears feature more of players such as Kmet and Mooney that would be really good in the vertical offense. So you're looking at not necessarily Matt Nagy's West Coast spread type offense, but you're looking at something that has a lethal downfield passing attack that can also go side to side with electric speed and playmakers. Right. Yeah. Great, great, great technical breakdown to just my heebie-jeebies. I just don't feel this is the right guy to bring in. Um, yeah, completely right. Nothing to say there outside of um, it comes down to personnel, comes down to philosophy, and and I'm sure that this man is, is a great leader of men. I'm sure he commands the, the locker room as well as Aaron Rodgers says that he does. Um, but, you know, Matt Nagy was able to command a locker room and command a, a clubhouse for a little bit in the locker room um, and for, for a year. But that's, that's not lasting, right? And what we need right now is a guy who has shown success consistently throughout his career and is able to bring that into this into this program that fits him, right? I think that's a really thing, a hard thing for people to think about when it comes to, well, I'm looking for a new job, right? Do I fit the new job? Does the job fit you as well? That's a two-way street. This is at the end of the day, this is just looking for a job, right? So we're making it comp more complicated than it needs to be, I feel, sometimes. It's a guy with a resume looking for a new job. Company fits him. He fits the company. Perfect match. There you go. It's really that simple at the end of the day, right? There's a lot of intangibles. There's a lot of details in there. But at the end of the day, it's just a guy looking for a job. And a company that's hiring just happens to be a professional football team. So that's how our breakdown on Matt Eberflus, Byron Lefwich, and Nathaniel Hackett is, or has been. Uh, Matt Eberflus, really great guy, really smart defensive coordinator, fantastic resume. Definitely up on the list. Bears like him a lot. Bring him back in for a second interview. 
Byron Leftwich, probably my number two overall. I think he's an incredibly exciting candidate. I think he's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot of help for Justin Fields and, and hopefully a lot of help for the Bears offense moving forward. And then Nathaniel Hackett, certainly a, uh, you know, a strong candidate, but maybe not that X factor, maybe not that uh, appealing as some other names that we've reviewed are. Yeah, absolutely. So anyways, guys, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. But make sure you're following us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Make sure you're following myself and Max on Twitter at MaxSmithySM and at Usaid Koshal. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel as well as the podcast. We record episodes on Tuesday nights and then drop them Tuesdays at 11.59 p.m. Central Time. Also, guys, make sure you're locked into the Fireside Bears YouTube channel this draft cycle okay we're gonna have lots of prospect interviews on i think i've got like 12 total interviews lined up so far and we're not even in the thick of draft season and guess what 10 of those prospects have talked to the bears so we're gonna let you guys pick and choose which ones are talking to the bears because mark sadowski they certainly do an excellent job in terms of finding the draft picks and stuff for chicago but bear down peace out